Hello, everybody, and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we talk about Blizzard Entertainment and its games. Uh, we, right now, we're probably going to talk a lot about, um, you know, that whole World of Warcraft expansion you might have heard of, because there's a lot to talk about on that one. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm the host. With me this week is my fantastic co-host, Anne, who I no longer have to worry about if I'm going to introduce her first or second, because she's the only other person here. It, I'm the only one. <laughs> it's, it streamlines this. It actually makes it a lot easier, so that's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. I, I, usually I ask what's going, what you've been doing, but today I'm just going to jump into Warfronts because... Well, you could ask me what I'm doing. Okay. What are you doing? What am I doing? Um, Warfronts. There you I, go. <laughs> I, 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 I stuck my toe in there. I stuck my toe in there, and then um, I was going to do that mythic that I mentioned last week. I did not actually get that done. Um, I have been doing a bunch of world quests. I gained a whole mess of rep, unlocked a whole bunch of outpost things over on Zandalar that I didn't know was a thing, but it is. I'm basically having a ball of fun, and I haven't started my Horde character yet, but I'm jonesing to do that, like, a lot. Because the more time that I do world quests out there on Zandalar, the more I want to actually be doing quest quests on my Horde character. Yeah, this... I've gotten to level 121. I've did a little. I haven't done enough okay. to really say I know the full story or anything. But yeah, it's it's a very different feeling. I saw a comparison on twi- on a Twitter that I feel is pretty valid. Um, the Alliance and Horde stories seem to have like exactly opposite tone to each other. Like they're almost like the yin yang symbol. Um, the Alliance one starts off kind of dark. And kind of hopeless, and then you you know go through it, and stuff gets better. Without spoiling anything, yeah. it kind of ends on a triumphant note. Yeah, and the Horde storyline, just from what I've seen so far, starts off in a pretty you know the the Zandalari are like you know I, I don't almost want to call them brassy. It's, They're kind of top dog on their yeah. own little island in the middle of the ocean. And then stuff gets weird. Um, I'll, I'll say that. I don't know if I can say stuff gets bad, but stuff gets weird. Z- the Zandalar quests are strange. I, I, my character's in Nazmir now, and it's just... It's real weird. <laughs> it's, so, yeah. Um, I, I definitely feel like there's a lot going on there that I want to look at. But in terms of Warfront, since I've I've been doing them too, I hit all the, the highlights. I, I got Doom... I killed Doom's Howl on my Alliance characters. I, uh... Did you got the, loot, right? Uh, I, my my death knight got loot, which is my my main raiding character. So yeah, I got the shoulders, which are really nice. They're three seventy. Were they three seventy for yep. you? They're three seventy. Okay. I have a friend. I got a cool trinket for my rogue. The trinket you got three. Yeah. The, yeah, it was a three seventy trinket, so that was good. One of my uh, the rogues in my guild got that trinket, and it it forged to, to three eighty five. I hate him a lot. Three eighty five. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's like mythic level. Yeah. Like that's that's really good. Um, then we went and we we did various other things. Like we went and killed some rares. Uh, with Warfronts, they they took the whole idea of the rares, the rare spawns, from you know uh, I think the Broken Shores the last time we really had them, and they made it like more part of the landscape. It's not like a big interruption the way they were uh, on the Broken Shore. You know you know how they were like they'd appear on the map and there was a whole deal. These ones just kind of feel like that's where they were hanging out anyway, and you just happen. And they to happen to have a big gold star on them. Yeah, I mean, well, there's that. that. Says, please kill me for extra loot. Yeah, I, one of my <laughs> one of my guildmates is getting tons of loot off of him. I got one thing, uh, so yeah, it's not really working out for everybody. But yeah, they 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 do drop Azerite. They don't. It seems to be that they only get one kill on them, 
per reset, like until the uh, actual Warfront becomes available and people like decide, like one team wins and gets the uh, Warfront again. I don't think they'll reset. I think they'll reset after that. I, th- I think it's likely. I don't know. I, I don't know how if we're going to see the Alliance hold it or if the Horde will take it. That's one of the interesting things about it. For people wondering what's going on with the Warfront right now, you can go to the Warfront and kill these rares and do the quests and all that other stuff without flagging for PvP. It's not like a PvP experience or anything like that. I think the entirety of the Warfront, even when you queue up to do it with like 20 people, it's a, it's a PvE experience. It's not... Yeah, you're not killing other players. It's yeah, your your group's doing it. It's similar to the way that the uh, t- mage tower and stuff worked, in that you do stuff in the warfront to raise the bar. When the bar goes up high enough, the actual warfront becomes available. You can then go in and do the twenty versus twenty PVE thing. It's like it's more like a race. Like the other sides trying doing it at the same time. I don't think you're in direct competition with them, but I haven't gotten to see it yet, so I don't know. But one one faction will win, and then when they do, it'll flip over. Like if if they win, they'll get the uh, warfront zone. For they a while. get the world boss and all of the other stuff. Yeah, so it's it's yeah. pretty cool. I mean, I'm seeing horde in here right now, uh, still killing rares. So I think you can still go in and kill rares even if the other faction has it, but you can't. You don't get the world boss, which is you know. And- Keep in mind that the Alliance started out having the upper hand in all of this, like at the onset, and then. The Horde, presumably, is going to fight until they take it over, and then it will flip sides, and it'll start out with the Alliance gathering resources. So it just goes back and forth. It's a ping-pong thing. There's not going to be a point where I think one side is dominating over another. So, you know, you see it, and it's Alliance every week, week after week after week. I don't think that they planned it that way. I think they planned it to deliberately flip. There was a bug. When I did it yesterday, there was a bug, but they've since fixed the bug. Where if you took the quests to do the Warfront on one character, none of your other characters could take them. So you couldn't do the quest to kill 20 of the opposite faction guys. Like if you're Alliance, you were killing the Defilers. And if you were Horde, you were killing the uh, League of Arathor. You couldn't take that quest. You couldn't take any of the quests for uh, war resources or artifact power. If you'd taken it on one character, that was it. And that was a bug. Sigmund in the chat channel says that non-instanced Arathi will flag you for PvP even with war mode off when you're not controlling. So Horde at the moment are flagged for PvP. I haven't experienced that, but I don't have a max level Horde character at the moment, so I haven't yeah. seen it. I'm going to take your word on that, though. Well, so it, it would explain... That would be why I'm mentioning it out loud on the podcast, so people are aware of that. <laughs> that would explain why I accidentally tagged that guy's little dinosaur friend. Um, Ooh, yeah, probably. Yeah, I didn't even mean to, but... It, oh, okay. You know, that would explain that. But, yeah, I, I haven't seen that yet, but we'll see what happens when, when it goes on. But okay. so far, I mean, I don't know what your thoughts on it, and I would be interested, but for me, this has actually been pretty fun. It's a nice diversion. It's a nice... It's. I like it because it's a change from a battleground. It kind of has the feel of a battleground, but it's PvE. Or it is so far because, like I said, I'm playing Alliance. Apparently, when you get the when you have the upper hand, you don't have to worry about that. But when you don't have the upper hand, you do. Um, I'm not sure how that works because I it's only been out a couple of days at this point. But I like the area. I like that there are rares to kill. I like that there's a world boss out there. Everybody seems to be enjoying it so far. Um, I don't think we've seen like a ton of bugs. There've been the little ones like you mentioned, and, and that one where. You couldn't get the quests again. Yeah, 
there was... on an alt, but they fixed that. So like the little quibbles and things, they seem to have ironed those out. Yeah, um, there there are also some bugs. Like there have been a PvP bugs that they took PvP season one down to to fix, but that's not related to the warfronts. Yeah, so that um that's also another thing. They disabled the PvP season for the moment. Um, I don't know if they put it back up yet or not. I haven't checked in on that recently, but they took it down yesterday. Um, because they were addressing some bugs that had popped up and they said that they were working to reactivate it as quickly as possible. So if people are wondering, hey, where's my PvP season? It's on pause momentarily. They're ironing out a few things and then they will put it back into place. So Yeah, but before we go into much else of this stuff, we should probably you know throw it to you so you can you know talk to our fine listeners about something. Yes. Hey. You guys, um, so while you're out there on the Yorathi Warfront, if you have read the novel Before the Storm, you might recognize the names in the little graveyard over in Arathi. And if you haven't read Before the Storm, you won't know what any of that stuff is about. But it's okay. You don't need to. However, Before the Storm, it's a really good book. You guys should probably read it because it kind of sets up everything that happens in, in Before the Storm. No, in Battle for Azeroth, a little bit. There's some momentous things that go down in that book, and it's kind of an emotional gut punch. It's written by Christy Golden. It's a very good book. Um, I'm not just talking up the book, though. Uh, for you guys, the listeners of Blizzard Watch, Audible's offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day 30, 30 trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Before the Storm is one of those books that you can actually get as that free audiobook download. Um, it's read by the voice actor for... And when Wren, that's Josh Keaton. It's a really, really, really good audiobook. Like, just as good as the novel, if not better, because um, you get the vocalization along with it. However, uh, if you want to go ahead and sign up and get that as, like, your free download, you can go to blizzardwatch.com slash audible and sign up for the service. If you're not interested in Before the Storm, they have a bunch of other Blizzard titles that are available on there as well. Or if you don't really care about Blizzard books at all, they have thousands of other books available, everything from fiction to nonfiction, what have you. Um, they're all there to listen to. And you get that free audiobook download with the sign up for the free 30-day trial. Um, again, if you want to sign up, blizzardwatch.com slash audible. And every sign up helps support the show and everything we do. Cool. Because it is actually a really good audiobook. I recommend it. I've actually heard it. Um, yeah. Also, what happened yesterday, it's not, I mean, it's harder to cover for some strange reason because not as many people will have gotten to see it yet. But Aldir released. Uh, both normal and heroic versions of Aldir released now yesterday. Now, you are actually raiding, right? Yeah, I am actually raiding. I don't know how okay. I don't know how much I'll be raiding this expansion. I don't know if I can how do the full thing. How far did you guys get? Uh, we got through the first two bosses, um, Talok and Mother, and then we got to the third. We, you can then pick a direction, and you can get to any one of several bosses at this point. We went and poked our head in on the Herald of, of Yogg-Saron, whose name escapes me at the moment. We, we, we did a poll. It was basically a let's see what he does poll and got him to 77% before everything just went, you know, ah, so many things. Uh, but overall, um, these are like these are going to be raids that I think will be very hard to solo at level 130. Because... I, I, love those, I love those raids. I love those raid polls where it's like, let's just pull it and see what happens. Because yeah. that was... That was every raid encounter in Classic and yeah. Burning Crusade. <laughs> yeah, that was how you learned fights back in the day. You just pulled it and saw what Particularly happened. Particularly in Classic, because you didn't. You had Thoughtbot, but Thoughtbot told you what items were. It did. There was nothing out there that told you, ah, this is how the raid is laid out. Yeah. There was no in-game dungeon journal or anything. Nope. You didn't even. 
quite, you kind of knew what stuff dropped if you went and looked it up on ThoughtBot, but you weren't like 100% on it. It was just like, yeah, this guy has tier, this guy has tier. Um, and strats were generally built on the fly. You, our, our raid leader was pretty much, that was our strat. Like our initial strat for every fight was pull it. Let's see what it does. Yeah. We're going to be wiping at least 20 times just so we know what it goes on. Uh, yeah. For um for Eldera so far, like the two fights that I've actually completed, I'll say this much about them. Um, Talok is an interesting mix of mechanics. Uh, there's you fight him for a while and he does the v- things involving blood. Uh, that's his big deal. Is cor- it's like kind of like the corrupted blood type thing, but pools on the surprise, ground surprise, instead. Blood. Yeah. But then there's uh, you get to a phase and he, literally the entire room you're in t- becomes an elevator. You are now fighting on an elevator. As it drops, you are fighting on it as it goes down. Which, if you've ever played World of Warcraft, you're immediately terrified because elevators mean death. So Elevator bosses are no joke. Yeah, and plus there's a knockback mechanic at this point, so you can be knocked off the elevator. So yeah, there's there's that going on, there's ads to deal with. Then you get to down to the ground. If you survive and get down to the ground properly, um, the fight basically takes all the previous stuff except the elevator part and throws it all at you once. So you've got everything you were doing in Phase 1, you've got all the ads from Phase 2, and you've got... Basically, you end up running around the room. Uh, you try and get to a certain point so you can... There's a debuff you have to drop. I like, I like how the elevator has evolved over the years from something you use to get from point A to point B to... It kills you. Um, Warlords, where in Warlords, if you went to... I forget the name of it. Black Rock Citadel. Yeah, it. they had the two yeah, elevators. You fell yeah. through the floor, like in in the Black Hand fight, you actually fall through the floor level by level. Mm-hmm. It's not an elevator; it's just a quick trip downwards. Um, to now, the elevator is a mechanic in the fight. <laughs> yeah, and you can't get knocked off of it. And if you do, hopefully, you've got something to keep you from dying when you hit the ground. Oh, There's. Geez. There's a lot going on in that fight, but it, it was fun. Yeah. We got it done. The mother fight is even more complicated, and it's very much like... Do you remember uh, the Phantom Menace when Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are fighting Darth Maul, and they have the walls that come up and go down? Yes. It's it's not exactly like that, because you can go through the walls anytime you want, but it spawns ads. But you have to basically... You pull the boss, you get the boss situated. The boss has a bunch of different abilities... Um, one of them is, like, a wind that blows you around the room, and if it blows you into the wall, you take a massive amount of fire damage and die, so don't don't get blown into that. And there's circles of death on the ground, because of course there are from time to time. But when you go through the, uh, the, the blue barrier and into the next chamber, you spawn adds. And those adds have to be killed immediately, because they do, a, like, a big AoE that will just completely mess your your whole group up. So you have to time when you cross into the room? Yeah, we did it in, like, we did it in groups. Like, we broke the raid up into six groups, and each group, group one, go through. Okay, deal with the ads. Group two, go through. As you go through, the barrier Ooh. the barrier blocks healing. So you're leaving the tank. The tank is stuck in the room with the boss, and you basically are leaving him there while you more and more of the raid goes through. So... It gets easier and easier in the other room, but harder and harder to keep alive. But the tank has to wait to go through, because once you bring her through, the next phase starts. And that we were doing this... I have to tell this story real fast, and we can move on to things. But we were doing the fight, and everything was going fine. We did a couple pulls, did some wipes, started to learn it. We got to the next room, and something happened that wasn't in the Dungeon Journal and nobody knew about. There's this barrier... Do you remember the end of uh, Vault of the Wardens with the, the wall of people that walk at you, and you have to find the gap? Yes. Imagine that with lasers that just slide across the room while you're still oh. doing all the other mechanics. Oh. Yeah. 
And you got to find the one gap in the laser wall while it's coming across the room. And the best part is... This sounds like, haha, we hate you, Melee. Yeah, oh, it is it is not a fun fight. I was on my death night, and I was like, oh, God, what do I do? Oh, please, diseases, just just throw diseases at her. That's the only thing I can do. But when the the thing was, we didn't know the lasers were coming. It wasn't in the Adventure Journal. The Adventure Journal had it under Mythic. It didn't say for normal. So we didn't know they were coming until we get in there, and suddenly, wall of lasers! It was like, oh, God, you know, the first time we did it, the lasers just ran us over and everybody died. Uh, but after we knew the lasers were coming, we, we adjusted and we got her down. It, it's fun because it's another one of those fights where you don't actually kill them so much as you hit them enough that they're like, oh, wait, you're okay. It's sort of like hunter pet taming in reverse, where instead of them hitting you until they like you, you hit them until they like you. It's it's very, it's very like, you know, World of Warcraft mount. You know, now we're friends because I punched you. <laughs> I was going to say, it's like the warrior. Punch it in the snoot yeah. until it decides it wants to be your mount. <laughs> yeah. Mother, once you punch mother enough, mother's like, oh, you've been setting me on fire this whole time. We must be friends. And so she takes you in. And it is it is a beautiful and terrifying raid to look at. Like, it's really when See, you. See, this is. This is where I run into the issue because I don't I don't have a raid team. I'm not raiding yeah. regularly. I, I just I don't have the time to do that. I, I don't. So most of my raiding is going to be restricted to LFR. Mm-hmm. And LFR doesn't open until what, next week or the week after? Next week, wing one. Okay, next week, wing one. So then I'll be able to see all this terrifying stuff. Well, it's <laughs> I'll tell you this. After you do it on LFR, just... Like stick around and go, just go around and look at stuff because it's oh, yeah. it's it's the troll aesthetic combined with the Titan aesthetic, and it's really interesting. Uh, it it makes lots of implications about the real origin of the Zandalari and of trolls that we've never really thought about. Remember how when we were doing um, uh, Tuma Sargeras, how it was originally the Temple of Luna? We were like, how come it's got all these elves in it? it it's like where elves like. We always thought night elves evolved from this, and that's what we've been told. But like, this place has elves statues everywhere. What's going on? Did the place change because it had elves on top of it, or did it change the elves into elves? Is this where instead of it just being the Well of Eternity, did this place do it? I find myself wondering if, if contact with Aldir is what made the trolls what they are. Because you, you know how there's the big, the Great Seal in, in um, the Jazara yeah. lore. That Great Seal is very much involved in what's going on in Aldir. So I don't know. Yeah. I'll have to find out. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing this raid, though, once LFR opens up. Yeah, it is, it is really nice. It's really beautiful. Uh, we should probably talk about the Dr. Boom comics that Blizzard yes. put out. Yes. Um, so they released three comics, Hearthstone comics. Um, this isn't new. They've released Hearthstone comics before. Um, these ones involved the latest expansion, the Boomsday Project. So they all. it was just kind of this little... Um, farcical story about Dr. Boom and how he was really trying to impress his lady love, uh, who's an unnamed goblin lady who showed up in a picture, and then later on, I think she showed up in a later issue, she was actually there and she talked with him and stuff. Um, Dr. Boom is a character that we encountered once in Burning Crusade, if you went to Netherstorm, you got this very short quest that was basically, hey, um, so my assistant, Dr. Boom, or my assistant, this is his name. He calls himself Dr. Boom now. He kind of went a little nuts. Can you go take care of that problem? So you basically go kill the guy, come back, collect your loot. And that's the only time you ever see him in World of Warcraft. 
in the comics, however, he has much more of a story. And obviously, you know, they brought him over to Hearthstone and they made him a Hearthstone card and he's kind of a beloved Hearthstone card. Um, so the Boomsday Project is kind of centered around Dr. Boom and all of the stuff that he's doing up in Netherstorm. One of the questions I had somebody ask, and I forget who it was, but somebody was like, is this actually Warcraft canon? Like, would this stuff count as Warcraft canon, World of Warcraft canon? And the answer to that is kind of complicated, but it boils down to no, but it could be if they wanted it to be. Because who's to say the Dr. Boom we killed in that one-shot quest out in the Netherstorm, who's to say that was really Dr. Boom? It could have been a duplicate. could have been a robotic construct. It could have been anything. And meanwhile, while we've been busy doing everything else under the sun since Burning Crusade, he's been out there in Netherstorm building this giant secret laboratory and doing all of these crazy things. Um, so they could technically bring him back into World of Warcraft if they wanted to. I don't think they're going to. I think he suits the whole Hearthstone aesthetic, as it were. Um, yeah. The comics themselves, they also suit the whole Hearthstone aesthetic. They're very wild and out there and kind of over the top and he's a really over the top character kind of comedic like goblins are in game anyway um but yeah my response to that was it would be weird but we have seen weirder things <laughs> already so i wouldn't call it completely out of place the comics though the comics are pretty great um they are the artwork on them it's done by ludo lullaby and i hope i'm pronouncing his name correctly I, I don't know if I am or not, but he's done a bunch of comic art for World of Warcraft. He he did work in the original World of Warcraft comic series. He did Ashbringer. He did Curse of the Worgen. He did all of the illustrations for those uh, the Azeroth leader short stories that they had back in Cataclysm. Mm -hmm. All of those illustrations were him. Um, so he's done a lot of work for them and with them over the years. So these are beautifully done comics. And they're really funny. They're just light and funny. They're actually looking for something light and funny to read. Go check them out. They're actually, um, as much as I did really like the, his art style, and I thought it really improved in Ashbringer from the from the WoW comic, uh -huh. they're actually a lot better. Like he's gotten even better. Like the the Doctor Boom stuff, the the art, he makes it's goblin faces. Ex done. He makes goblin faces expressive, not just cackling insanity, but all sorts of emotions. He makes it work. Yeah, like, it's kind of it's kind of amazing. Like I'm he really does, surprised. He by does it. beautiful work. He really does. Um and. This one was written by Mark Avanier. He penned another comic for Hearthstone. He did the Up, up, up Comes Down comic for Cobalt and Catacombs. That was mm -hmm. like a one-shot thing with um, Marin the Fox. Yeah. He wrote that one, and then he wrote this this one. And it was just it was just a little three-part series that they released along with the Boomsday Project. And I thought it was really good. I liked That's, it a lot. Wizard continuing their tendency to work with like some actual legendary names, both Avanier and... Uh... Oh, bloody heck, Marv Wolfman over on Di the Diablo comic. That's just kind yeah. of astonishing to me that they're getting these yeah. people. So, yeah. yeah. They do excellent, excellent work. But, yeah, um, so that happened. So we should, you know, we mentioned that, and that's good. Uh, one of the things, I think you wrote this one so we can talk about it really fast. The People are unlocking the Maghar and the Dark Iron already. They've already got yes. the reps up, and they're they're unlocking those, those uh, races. Yeah, um, the way that this works, they weren't initially available, and then Blizzard turned on the thing that allows them to be unlocked. So people, I have seen many a Dark Iron Dwarf and many a Maghar running around already because 
people are crazy about getting reps. So with these guys, it's just like any of the other allied races. You do have to get exalted with a reputation in order to unlock them or gain the ability to unlock them. For the Alliance, you need to be exalted with the 7th Legion. For Horde, you need to be exalted with the Onbound. These guys are the reputations that you get for doing like the war campaign and doing world quests on the opposite continent. So if your Alliance world quests that you do on Zandalar will give you 7th Legion rep. Same thing with the Honorbound. If you go to Kul Tiras and do quests, uh, world quests out there, they will give you reputation with the Honorbound. Um, obviously, you're going to be doing all of this anyway because you're going to be going through your your um, war campaign, but you have to unlock Revered with either faction to get the Ready for War achievement. That just means that you have completed your war campaign. Mm-hmm. Um so you're going to be grinding that rep anyway. So jumping from revered to exalted, yeah, it seems like kind of a slog, but there's lots of ways to do it. Uh, you can do world quests. There are emissary quests that do pop up. There are outposts out there. Um, the outposts will have one-time quests pop up that can offer some reputation. The mission table. Um, the mission table, it seems like the mission table is there specifically to give you reputation. Sometimes you'll get gold stuff pop up. Sometimes you'll get Azerite power pop up, but most of the time you'll see a lot of reputation missions pop up that mm-hmm. will give you reputation with the different factions. And occasionally you'll see Seventh Legion or the Honor Bound in those missions, so you can do those. If you tag enough of a success rate to get the bonus, you'll get bonus rep on top of that. Island expeditions are also a great way to earn reputation. I have not set foot in island expeditions yet, and I really need to do that because I had a lot of fun with them on beta. But once a week, you'll get a quest to collect Azerite for your faction. And when you complete that weekly quest, it'll give you 1,500 reputation, which is the same as, you know, Knockout Nemesary or whatever. It's a good chunk of change there. Um, the war campaign itself, some of those quests will give you reputation. Not all of them, but some of them will. And then Warfronts. Now that Warfronts are open and available, there are uh, Warfront contributions that you can turn in, and those will give you a little bit of reputation towards either faction, either Seventh Legion or Honorbound. So there's a lot of ways to do it. Um, and this early on in the expansion, it's not exactly super difficult to do because you're gaining reputation from these guys, like, right from the get-go when you start leveling even you know it's not it's not entirely out of place and it's not what i would call like a ridiculous grind or anything but once you complete that you have to be level 120 you have to finish your war campaign so you have that ready for war achievement and you have to be exalted and when you do that it'll open up the thing where you can go do the scenario and recruit either the maghar or the dark iron whichever it's the same thing as all the other allied races, really. Yeah. That's still one of the things that's like I'm still not sold on the idea of how to get allied races. Mostly because yeah. it seems to me it seems to me to be a lot of work to then either just race change my character or now start level all the way level, yeah. yeah, start uh, start to go get that Getting my You have to level it from yeah. level twenty up if yeah. you want that heritage armor set. Which is actually it's pretty cool for both races. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. The heritage armor looks pretty sweet, but it's it is a lot of work to get it and yeah. you can only use it on characters of those races. Yeah. So it's not even like you'll get to use it for your main if you're unless your main is one of those races, unless you race change it, which then you wouldn't get it because you race changed. So it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm looking at it going, 
there's some, I mean, when Cult Herons and Zandalar come out, ask me again, because then we'll have the new druid forms. But until then, I don't know if it's worth my time to level all the way from from 20 to 120 to, to play that character. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, it's a lot of work. The thing, about, the thing about allied races and people are like, oh, they should make them easier to get. No, they shouldn't. I'm going to argue that point. I'm sorry, folks, who think that this should be easy to do. But when you look at the theory and the idea behind allied races, these are guys that you need to convince that you're cool enough for them to want to join your cause. So having that reputation requirement, to me, it makes perfect logistical sense. Is it a pain to grind reputation? Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm sitting here at like... 90 something reputation so uh, trust me when i say i know the pain involved in grinding reputation here um you're, you're not alone in that at the same time this is a specifically it's a cosmetic thing it doesn't really improve your gameplay one way or another it's, yeah do you want to play a dark iron or dark iron dwarf or do you want to play a maghar orc yes okay this is how you access those yeah i don't necessarily if you don't think... want to play them if you don't have any intention of rolling a character of that race you can ignore all this stuff you don't have to do any of it it's yeah. you're fine for, for me fine. it's it's just a question of it's not the the hardness of getting them unlocked it's then saying to myself okay now do i care enough to level this character that's really what it comes down to for me. Yeah. And and that's fine. If you if you really want always wanted to play a, a Maghar or a Dark Iron. The thing for me is like in terms of the Maghar, if the Maghar were the only orcs that stood upright, I would be leveling one right now. Like I, yeah, but I'm really glad that they gave that yeah. option to all orcs. Once they so that... once they gave it to all orcs though, that was half of the reason I wanted them. And then they gave it to the all Maghar orcs. Do so. look cool. They, yeah, they do, do look cool. Um, same thing with the Dark Iron Dwarves. They look really cool. I love all their options. Right now, um, right now, if you if you want to play a female dwarf and you can get Dark Iron Dwarf, do it because they have the yeah. coolest hair. Oh my god! They, they have amazing hair. They have they they look ama- I've seen some amazing screenshots of transmog with these guys. That's just it like blows me away. But do I want to play one? No, not really. So I don't. I'm probably going to get to the point where I unlock them eventually because I would like the mounts. You do get a free mount when you do the unlock scenario, which is great. Um, And I would like to see that scenario specifically because, you know, it's the same thing with you. We like to catalog all of the lore happenings, and that is some definite lore happenings that goes on in both of those scenarios. I want to see that scenario real bad. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I want to see it for that reason, but I don't necessarily want to play either of these guys, so I'm not, it's not something that I'm, you know, gunning really hard to do right now or anything, it's just, when it happens, cool, I'll go play it. Until then, I'm okay with focusing on other things, particularly this early in the expansion. There's so much to do. There's so much to do. I, went, I don't really yeah. need to, like, level from level 20 again, it's fine. Um, I am saying that, though knowing full well that when they unlock when they allow us to unlock the zandalar and the coltirians i will be gunning for both of those like immediately yeah yeah <laughs> that's it's one of the things where i made i made one mistake that i feel like i really shouldn't have and that i leveled multiple characters to 120 as fast as i could uh, and it meant that i was behind on my main and it also meant that i now have three characters to try and get geared up at the same time which is not fun and I should, that's one of the reasons I'm thinking I should take it easy and go play Horde for a little while. But 
the problem is, is that you want to see all the story stuff and do all that, and it's just really a lot to do. There is, uh, there is so much you can do in a day if you really want to. If you sit down and do everything you can possibly do, you can do a lot. It, it can be like between doing like mythics and dungeons, and you know world quests and the war front and the island expeditions. I, and... I do not have time to do everything that you can do in a single day. I just I don't have the time because you will be occupied for hours. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot to do in this expansion. I so for me what I'm trying to do right now is just focus on the story stuff because that's the stuff that I write about. So yeah, I should be focused on that. <laughs> and getting all of that knocked out so that, you know, I can continue to look at things and yeah, I haven't gotten started on my horde character yet, but um I am seriously I the more I do you know, outpost stuff and Seventh Legion stuff out on Zandalar, the more I'm like, uh, I need to be here, like, on a character that's actually experiencing the story, because this place is wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there is a lot to do in these zones. I mean, and when you start going over to the opposite faction zones, that's when it gets really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. hmm, let's see. We should probably talk at least a little bit about what's going on with the Overwatch League. Overwatch League right now, they are going through the whole trade thing and dropping players and all this other stuff. Uh, A bunch of teams are dropping a bunch of people. Some people are kind of up in arms about that. Uh, The one that, on the one hand, I wasn't surprised about, and on the other hand, I was kind of like, uh, about uh, Shanghai Dragons dropped the majority of their roster, except for three players. Um, Giguri is one of those players, and then um, Dia, I think, is staying put... Mm, I need to go look that up because I there were three different players that are staying put, but the majority of the team they went ahead and dropped. And once again, like I said, once again, like I said, I'm not surprised because they their record was 0 and 40. I mean, yeah, they they didn't on. win. <laughs> <laughs> they, they need they need to switch it up. I'm not I'm not surprised because they do need to switch it up. The only problem that I have with it, and it's very much a personal problem, is just I like all those guys. They fought really hard and they didn't get to win. And I was hoping they would come all come back and get to win. Um, not all of them get to come back. Three of them do. Um, I'm really kind of. Okay, I, I understand the reasoning behind it, and it does make sense from a team standpoint and a gameplay standpoint. If they want to win games, they got to start picking up some different players um, and make another run at it. So, okay. Uh, there are a lot of teams, though, right now that have been dropping players and picking up players left and right. You can pretty much keep track of that just by following esports. Uh, the big thing came out earlier today. Uh, Blizzard, Activision Blizzard, has sold slots for... Two more Overwatch League teams, one of them in Vancouver, British Columbia, which is about time. Go Canada. And the other one for Chengdu, China, which is a second China team to be added. We had another China team that was in the rumor mill and then confirmed. So they're going to get two new teams from China. There's going to be Vancouver, British Columbia. Did Toronto get a team too? No, not Toronto, but Atlanta did, I believe, or, or Atlanta is at least in the talks to get one. I'm not sure if that was finalized or not. Um, we're going to see a bunch of new teams along with the regular lineup in season two. And for me, that's kind of exciting. And I'm also kind of wondering how is that going to aff- affect how they plan out the season, how they plan out how many matches they're showing at a time or how many matches they're going to have in a season. Because you throw more teams in the mix, all of a sudden... <laughs> It's like, how do you balance it out? 
Um, so I'm interested in seeing how that all plays out. Obviously, Overwatch League Season 2, we still don't have a start date for it yet or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm assuming that preseason is going to start in December with the season itself starting in January like it did last year. I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah, so that's pretty much it for news this week. Um, we're going to move on to do some emails now uh, because that's what we do on the show. If you've got an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch so we know it's for this show. Uh, Anne's going to read them for us because she usually does. So take it away, Anne. Okay, first email is from... I love this name so much. This is from Tuck Finn Shadow Sprocket of Wormrest Accord. <laughs> That is the best name, and if you are, yeah, you are playing a gnome. Okay, good. <laughs> like, if you're not playing a gnome, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> so, uh, Tuckfin says, hey, watchers, what do you guys think of the Tortolan? I absolutely love them. Do you think they could become a new race or an allied race, or will they just become this expansion's Tuscar slash Hosen? P.S. Sorry about the messed up grammar on my last email. Was rushing into work at Trader Joe's. Thanks from your friendly gnome pal, Tuckfin. I don't remember your last email, Tuckfin, and I feel like I should have because your name is fantastic, but that's okay. Um, regardless, Tortolan, Rossi, what do you think? I remember when we first saw the Tortolan from Hearthstone, I remember writing a post, and this is years ago now, saying, we need these guys in WoW. Like, why are these guys not in WoW right now? Why do I not see them? Why am I not getting quests from them? Cut to um, Battle for Azeroth, and... I simultaneously find them frustrating and love them because they're frustrating. Because they are literally the crotchety old grandpa quest givers. Grandpas and grandpas. It's great. I do like them quite a bit. Um, there's there's two NPCs in particular that really kind of sell it off for me. Um, when you're doing the quests in... This is an Alliance quest, so if you're Horde you haven't seen them. You're doing quests in Normington Estate, and there's a, a dad Tortolan and a kid Tortolan. Good. Yeah, the kid Tortolan is cute. He's like, I, I'm so proud of my dad. And then you cut to his dad. His dad's like, I don't know. And the dad sounds like Jim Cummings. I don't know if he actually is, but he sounds like he it's Jim Cummings. He probably is. Jim Cummings voices yeah. everybody. So you got Jim Co- Jim Cummings voicing a turtle who's about to try and ride a horse. And it's about as fun as it sounds. It's it's just, I love this quest. Um, I, I find the beachhead quest horrifying to do because I, every time I fail and a bird gets a turtle I want to I just want to stop playing the game because I've ruined everything. Uh I love I think the turtles are great. The problem I is, oh. did not know. I did not know. I saw all this stuff online that was like a turtle has made it into the water. I'm like, "Okay, that's cute. Why is everybody saying that? What's going on with that?" And it was because I had literally done every other turtle in daily except for that one. Yeah. It just, it either hadn't popped up or it was off someplace really remote and the shell game was way closer. So I was like, oh, I'll just do the shell matching. Okay. I finally did it last week and I'm like, oh, I get it now. I really, really get it. And this quest is awful. Yeah, it's, <laughs> every time the, the crabs or the, like, I've got to the point where I'm playing that thing like a military heat seeking missile launching robot. I'm like, get away from those turtles. Flinging those, just, you know, get away, get away, get away. I want to know, why don't we just pick up the baby turtles and take them into the water? Like, or we could just toss them in. Like, have you ever skipped a rock on a lake? I mean, we could do that with these guys. 
like, and their survival rate would probably be better than us trying to shoot birds out of the air yeah. with an ineffective cannon. Yeah, if I'm going to have to kill these birds and crabs, I'm actually really good at killing stuff, so maybe just let me go kill them? Like, this... let, me, let me just take my like my daggers out there, because I can make quick work of all of that stuff. Yeah. But, Why yeah. do I have to use your cannon? <laughs> yeah, the Tuscar. I, I one of the things I really like about them that I think would actually kind of ruin it, though. I don't know, like whatever faction gets them, it's going to be like the other faction will be mad. You know what I mean? Like if if Alliance got Tuscar, there'd be a lot of angry Horde players, and the same if the Horde got them. I, I don't feel like I don't know if they get if we get them as an allied race, it, it feels like I don't. I feel yeah. like they are the neutral players this expansion. They're kind of yeah. like the ethereals of the expansion where they aren't going to choose a side either which way. Now, in saying that, I have to like think about going back how the goblins were once originally. They were neutral. Um, so both Alliance and Horde could talk to them and do quests for them because the goblins simply didn't care. Mm -hmm. They just wanted whoever had the coin to give them the coin like that was it that was what they were after it wasn't until cataclysm that we found a faction of goblins that actually sided with the horde because the horde literally saved their lives mm -hmm. okay cool but then we've got the pandaren who again neutral entity so you think that they're just going to remain neutral but no they get to choose either side either alliance or horde which worked that worked um it, it worked out pretty well but at the same time, it's like... It does lead to really weird stuff, like when you're doing stuff and you see Asa Cloudsinger there and she's like, you know, getting ready for the fight. And you're like, you, you are where you might actually have to beat up the guy that you declared your love for at the end of... of Cataclysm. Yeah, you remember Siege that, right? Siege of Orgrimmar. Yeah. Not, yeah, Siege of Orgrimmar. That wasn't Cataclysm. End of, end of that was Mr. Pandaria. Yeah. Anyway, they're, they're pandas. That was Mr. Pandaria. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it, it would be weird to have, like, you know, I don't know if I want to watch the story of two Tuscar, like, both realizing, we're, we're both Tuscar, we're, not, we're two, both Tortolan, but I'm going to have to kill you now. Yeah, I'm old enough that it's time. Like, I don't I don't know I want to watch that. I just, I, I love mm. them. I love their attitude. I, uh, the quests are kind of weird. Mm -hmm. Um, Every quest that I have done for a Tortolan thus far has been pretty entertaining um no matter where i happen to be so i wouldn't mind if they became an allied race but i also wouldn't mind if they just remain neutral because they do have a presence on both Volteris and sandalar and they are neutral to everybody um i can go into desar lore on well i can go down into the port of sandalar on my alliance character and if i am in the tortolan area i am not flagged for pvp or anything like that um and none of the npcs will attack me or anything if i venture out of the tortolan area things are very unhappy with me by and large yeah. but the tortolan are cool they're laid back they know what's what they don't care about faction battles they really don't i do like them i don't know if i'm going to see them become an allied race or not but um, I feel like there are probably other choices that they could go with beyond the Tortolan. Yeah. Okay. Next question. This is from More Coffee, who I feel on a deep and spiritual level, who says, podcast question, if the August Celestials are essentially the same types of beings as the ancients, aren't the then monks a form of druids? No. No. No, they're monks. Why? Well, for one thing, monks tap into chi, which is much yeah. closer, more aligned with the spirit energy 
that Azeroth is currently gobbling up to keep the elements, you know, the elements aren't as much, you know, as aggressive here as they are on other planets because Azeroth is channeling all that spirit energy, which is essentially the same stuff as Chi. They're not about the kind of natural balance that druids are about. They're kind of about balance in all things. It's a different approach. It's much the same way shaman aren't druids, even though they both kind of deal with nature in a way. Shaman deal with like spirits and ancestors and the the elements, but they're not they're not druids and they're not monks. It's a it's a different approach. Uh, it's much the same way that both technically speaking, warlocks and mages are both casting arcane spells to some degree, uh, but, but warlocks are not mages. There's a, a again, it's a different approach. That's that's my answer to it. Honestly, I would say if monks are approximate to anything, they are far closer to shaman than they are to druids specifically because of the whole chi connection thing because that's it's one of the elements it's the element of spirit um it's not one that the shaman tap into very often or anything like that but it's something that they're kind of associated with and druids aren't really associated with elements per se yeah, I think as much as nature itself, you know what I mean. Yeah, you can, you can draw like there's certain parallels between the various groups because I mean to, to a certain degree because they heal and they heal in a similar way, um, but they don't. I would not say that they're the same thing. For one thing, I mean monks monks are much more about being at home and in balance within yourself and your own being rather than like say I'm going to turn into every animal form I can think of. It just it's a you know there certainly is a, one of the things that doing the uh, quests in Cult Harris, one of the things you get from talking to the, the thorn speakers is that there's multiple approaches to druidism it doesn't have to be like the emerald dream loving you know scenario circle types the, the thorn speakers are very much much more about the the balance between life and death uh, the emerald dream version is the one that we are most commonly familiar with because that's what we had from the outset from the night elves but I mean, even troll druids, I mean, while they kind of associate the Loa as a being akin to an ancient, like if they see an ancient, if they see one of the ancients out there, if they see like Aviana out there, Aviana to them is a Loa. Yeah, but like for that matter, powerful spirit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. for that matter, they, if they see an night elf wisp, they, they, they're willing to count that as a Loa. Yeah. Yeah, so there's, you know, it's kind of a different thing going on there. But yeah, if I were going to equate a monk to anything, I would say they they cleave more towards the shaman side of things than they do the druid side of things, regardless of what the august celestials are and whether or not they're ancients or how they count in the world. Um, the monks aren't really that super tied to them anyway. I mean, they are to a degree because you've got like the different schools of thought and that kind of thing. But it's not it's not the same relationship that a druid has with an ancient. It's, it almost seems like when you go to at least the Temple of the White Tiger, it's less mm-hmm. that they worship Suin, or even yeah. it's more that they like admire him. Like let's be more like Suin. Kind of their mentor. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That kind of thing. Let's be more like Zwen. That guy. That guy knows what's going on. Yeah. Okay, uh, next email is from Selwyn, a warlock from Nagrand, who says, Hi, Watchers. I just thought I would drop a quick note after listening to the latest episode. When queuing for specific dungeons that you have a quest for, you get pushed to the front of the queue and the randoms come to you. That's how it worked in Legion with the zone quest, so guess they continued that on here. So note, if you don't have a quest for the zone, you will still wait the extra time to get in. Keep up about... the great work. I think that's talking about the tank thing we talked about last time. Yeah, because I mentioned that... that as a DPS, I was queuing up for dungeons, just like random dungeons, but I was queuing up directly for the dungeon as opposed to the random queue. 
Mm -hmm. And I was getting in very, very quickly. And I, I mean, we pointed that out on the show because somebody pointed it out in the chat channel that, that it was entirely likely the reason that you were getting a quick queue was because you were queuing for something very specific. So they were building the randoms around you and wanting to do that one thing. Um, which makes sense. I mean, it all makes sense. That's fine. I, I don't, I kind of, what I am asking myself now, and it's still a question that I am kicking around, is whether being able to get a quick queue in that fashion, does that mean that it's not really worth it waiting for the stupid little goodie bag in the random queue, random dungeon queue? Yeah, the only thing you really get for queuing randomly that you don't get for queuing for a specific dungeon is you get the Azerite. And as yeah. a DPS. I mean, as a healer or a tank, you can possibly get, like, an actual bag with, like, who knows what in it. Like, a mount or an item. Yeah. But, but doing it as DPS, I think doing it as DPS, you're better off picking some dungeons you want to go to and just queuing for those. Yeah. Um, that seems to be the way to go. And I'm perfectly fine with doing that, because usually it's I'm after one specific piece of loot anyway, or <laughs> one specific item for a specific gear slot. Or, you know, so... yeah, you're, you're a rogue, so you're like, I need two daggers. <laughs> and I can't get Good luck with that. Can't get Good daggers to drop. That. Yeah, so every world quest I have had, every <laughs> world quest I have had that has had a weapon, it's been a fist weapon, it has been an axe, it has been a mace. I think I saw one sword, which is all great and everything, except I play assassination and all I can use, literally all I can use are daggers. Yeah. That is the only weapon I can use as an assassination rogue. Why am I seeing this other gear? I don't know. Maybe it's the game laughing at me. Maybe it's the game suggesting I should just change specs. But I've been playing assassination for years. I'm really grouchy about this, Rossi. <laughs> the game, it does, it does some weird stuff with weapon drops and world quests. One of the things I noticed yeah. was that I, I've got like my human warrior who is only Fury and has only been Fury this expansion, has never switched Fury, has never come out of Fury spec and loot specialization, and it's offering me one-handed swords that are prop weapons. That's the only class, the only warrior spec that's going to use a one-handed weapon is a prop warrior. Fury uses two two-handers, Arms uses one two-hander. Nothing. Not getting him. And I've also noticed that even when it is giving a two-handed weapon to my warrior, the warrior's getting a pole arm while then Death Knight's getting a mace. Like, Why? What what's know. going on? Are you are they, they're not even itemized that differently that I can see. So there is some interesting stuff going on in terms of like what they give you and when they give it to you. It's uh. just all it's doing is making me really miss having an artifact weapon because yeah. I didn't have to worry about it. <laughs> don't don't know what you got till it's gone with the artifacts. Uh, I guess. All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, next email. This is going to be our last email. This one is from Maven, who's a Drenai hunter on Sentinels and proud Patreon supporter. Thanks, Maven. Who says, I am loving Battle for Azeroth stories more than I thought I would, but a lot of my questing enjoyment has been during the side quests I've stumbled upon. The creepy tea party in Rustbar has been talked about a lot, but I think one of my favorite side quests has been helping out a gnome in Tiragard Sound who wants to set up a resort. It involves a cute way to use the selfie camera. So I'm wondering what side quests have been your favorites. No spoilers. Thanks, Maven. P.S. Rhode Island sends its love to Rossi. Well, more like an indifferent nod in his general direction because it's Rhode Island. Sup. That's, yep. how, that's how Rhode Island works, yeah. I kind of figured. Yep. Uh, I've talked about the quest before, so I want you to talk about yours first because then I'll talk about mine, which we've already talked about. 
Which one? The the DK one. We'll, we'll talk about it. Oh, okay. Um, I was actually going to mention, it's not so much a random quest because you do find it when you're out in Norwington Estate, but, I mean, we just talked about it, too. I love the one with the Tortolan dad. Yeah. Because he really wants to ride a horse. He wants to show his son that he can ride a horse, but he's kind of like, he's scared to do it because he's a giant turtle person and this is a horse, but he really wants you to think that he knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. Uh, I, I remember watch, when I was watching it the first time, and it's the kids, the, the, the voice acting is perfect for the quest. The voice acting is perfect, and you have to go get things for this tortoise. Like, you have to get him a helmet and knee pads and just, like, safety equipment so that if he falls off the horse, he will be okay. Which is good, because he sounds like he's a million years old, right? And the payoff, when you finish all of this, is I got so many screenshots of that triumphant little trot. (laughs) I was just... It was great. Dude, it was fantastic. The part I love is when he starts going, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm not okay. Oh, God. This I'm beast is out of okay. control. Wait. Wait. I'm doing it. I'm yeah. doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. I love it. I loved it to bits. Um, a lot of my other like favorite things haven't been side quests so much as just like little moments and vignettes here and there where you find like a rare that's particularly clever. Whoever came up with the lichen king i salute you oh, because yeah. i cracked up so hard when i found that thing yeah all the all the fungus related jokes you could possibly have yes yes all of the fungus jokes and it was all plays the way that he attacked you that rare attacked you he had abilities that mimicked the lich king's abilities but they were all fungus themed in name and the whole thing was just so laden with puns that i'm like the developer who created this is a sick, sick individual, and I would love to buy them coffee sometime. <laughs> I, this is horrible, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, that quest oh, is messed up. Go ahead with yours, because I just did that quest. Did you do it on DK? I did not do it on a DK. I did okay. it on a regular player. But as soon as I did it on the regular player, I went, oh, no, because I know I'm going to have to come back and do this on a death night, and yeah. it's going to be an experience. Um, so, yeah, I, talk I've, about it. I've actually done it. Um, I did it on my, DK, my death night. Then I deliberately failed the quest so I could do it again on my death night um, so I could see what happens. There's a quest in Dressfar where you're just, you're just riding. You're heading down to, I think, Fallhaven. No, not Fallhaven. Uh the one that's further south, and it's in the, the Crimson, Crimson Forest. Yeah. You're headed down into the, yeah. the you, Crimson Forest. You go into the Crimson Forest, and you just see a there's like a quest. You see the little quest mark on the side, so you pull over, and there's a there's a druid going trying to heal a friend. The friend is all banged up in bear form, and you're like, "Uh, you guys okay?" And they're like, uh, "I don't know. Uh, just gonna try to fix the woods, and everything's bad." So you the, you get a quest to go pull some trees out of the ground, which is weird, but whatever. Okay, you go and do that come back they're like that was good that you pulled those trees out of the ground could you go kill an ancient spirit for wolf and free it from its eternal torment so it can once again be a guardian to the forest like okay more in my wheelhouse okay i'll go kill that thing go do that you come back and the, they're two they're still sitting there they're talking to some this looks like a normal human person and she's like you know are you two gonna be all right and they're like yes but we can't really help you and maybe our new friend can help you and and, and did it on a, a rogue, I assume. So she just got a, you know, hi, yeah, sure, I could use your help. I was on my death night. I got a hi, yeah, sure, I could use your help. Um, and the quest itself was very interesting because she she talked about 
what the Death Knights were doing in Legion. Mm -hmm. And she needed your help to prevent a similar event from happening out here on Colteris. Yep. And I went, oh, yeah, sure, I'll help you because that was a terrible, terrible thing to do. I'm going to say that right now because I'm playing my rogue. But I want you to know that the Death Knight that I'm playing is going to feel really bad about this entire thing. Yeah, when you get to her, her greeting to a Death Knight is, I know who you are. Every every member of the Red Dragon Flight knows your name. And you're like, uh, me? What did I do? You broke into the Ruby Dragon Shrine and, you know, Went and got on, went and got our book, and found one of our greatest heroes, and raised him as your slave. And you're like, oh yeah, I, I did do all that. And I didn't, I didn't go murder happy when I broke into the Ruby Dragon Shrine because I have Shadow Meld, so I just rode in, Shadow Melded, grabbed the book, rode back out. Like I moved really fast. I didn't. I think I killed one guy. Maybe. Yeah, I think I killed one guy on my human. Yeah. So killed one guy, got out um, with the book. So I'm like, I, I, I spared as many as I could. And she's like, yes, well, I suppose for you, that's a sacrifice. All right, then. And she agrees to let you help, even though she really shouldn't. Um, but you're like, okay, well, you're, you're flying there. And she's like, she's giving you pointed statements the whole time about, I understand it's difficult for you to understand, Death Knight, but the sanctity of life is all consuming to my flight. We will never forget what you did. And you're like, yeah, this is awkward. So you get there. And she's like, if you are going to help me rather than stab me in the back, then protect me as I do the ritual. It, you know, the uh, remains of this dragon are powerful and will make it and will be a temptation to others of your order. And you're like, yep, hit that they would. And you, you, so you stand there waiting. And sure enough, another Death Knight shows up. If you're playing another class, the Death Knight just says some stuff about how he's going to, you know, kill the other dragon and raise this dragon is... He says, yeah. oh, hey, look, there's two of you. Only one of you is going to make a good mount, though. The other one, I'm just going to kill you outright. Yeah. But if he sees a Death Knight there, he's like, Death Lord, I'm a huge fan of your work. What do you do? Are you? Did you decide to help? And you're like... Oh, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. No, um, actually, uh, I'm here to stop you. What? You just don't want me to have a mount as good as yours, do you? And the best part is my actual response was, yeah, that's true. I don't want you to have a mount. I had to go through a lot to get that mount. I didn't just show up in Drusvar and take it. I had to, like, th there was steps. There were multiple steps involved. You don't get a mount until you do multiple steps. So he decides... I had to contact the Lich King via Wi-Fi on yeah. top of... On top of Old Smokey, all covered with Death Knight. It was just really bad. The whole thing was weird. Um, he said things to me that I'm still not comfortable with. So you basically end up fighting the guy and killing him. And you do that, and the, the Red Dragon is like, well, I, I don't really understand why you did that, but thank you. And here's where you can really rightly screw things up. You have multiple dialogue options at the end. One of them is, I hope this proves my sincerity and my hope that, you know, things between us can improve. The other is, huh, I guess I should kill you too, huh? If you say that one, if you, you're you like, okay, gonna kill you too, she kicks you off the mountain. Like, the entirety of the mountain. You, you, you're in Drusvar, you're on a mountain, and she kicks you off of it and you go flying. And you probably die. Uh, I didn't... That must be why... Okay, so... Let's go back to my experience with this quest chain. <laughs> I got there. I got there with her. And she said, please protect me. And I noticed that there was another player standing there, just standing there, who, who happened to be a Death Knight. 
And when the other Death Knight showed up, like the NPC showed up, he helped me kill the NPC. And then um, I turned in the quest with the red dragon. And then I noticed that the dude was standing there like he had a weird buff on him. And I looked at the buff and the buff was like, what did it say when you moused over it? It was something like rude underscore Death Knight underscore kick. (laughs) Like that was the little... So I guess that's what happened to him. He yeah. just stood there in place, and then he disappeared. Yeah. And I was like, huh, I wonder what happened to him. He got now kicked off the mountain. Yeah. Now I know. <laughs> From his perspective, he was standing there, and he said that, and she dragons out and whaps him, and he goes flying. <laughs> so, yeah. That's great. So, yeah. That's possibly my absolute favorite quest. My second favorite is a chain, and it's sort of... It is actually not all that tangential. It's sort of a, it's a somewhat of a major quest chain, but yeah. I like I like it just for the one moment where you're basically escorting this guy through a, a cannery of evil fish, and he's like, "I, my friend, I don't know how to resort to violence," and you're like, "Yeah, what's new? <laughs> you are the ultimate escort quest. You are you are the knee plus ultra of escort quests in that you can do nothing." Yeah, I, I've done this a million times. It's there just... was another one of those escort quests that was really kind of a obnoxious um, over in Tiragar's Sound where you had to go find this dude's daughter and escort her back oh to Oh my him. god, oh my god, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, you remember that one. She just walks with you, and if you walk too far, she's like, no, wait, we're supposed to hold hands. So you have to walk really slow with this little girl, and you get her back to her dad. And if you walk too far forward, she goes, where'd you go? I'm like, I'm standing right here next to your father. He's right in front of you. Look up, little girl. The, the best part is that she stops moving. Yeah. She stops moving. I'm a five feet in front of you. Just take a step. Just just, just a couple steps more, kid. Can yeah. I pick you up? No? I'll just carry you. How's I it? No? I wait for your short little legs? Okay. Yeah. We could do this really easy if you could, you know, stealth. <laughs> Like, okay, so, yeah, uh, yeah, there's all kinds of like little side things all over in Battle for Azeroth. Just because you played through the main storyline for a zone, it doesn't mean that you have it, that you've played through everything. There are little moments and bits and pieces and stuff all over the place if you just take a little bit of time to go exploring. So I would I would encourage people if you haven't, if you just played through, you know, the beginning to the end of the story thing and, you know, get the get the achievement for the zone or whatever, I would encourage you to go back and look around because some of these moments are really, really funny and some of them are callbacks. Like that Death Knight thing, that was a deliberate callback to stuff that went down in Legion and it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, there may be more of that out there. Who knows? But you never know what's hiding out there until you go looking for it. So I don't... I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, Rossi. I, I'll I say don't. this much. Guys, there is a Tortolan by the side of the river in Nazmir. Find him and do his quest. That's yes. all I'm going to say. Absolutely. That guy is great. Okay. <laughs> that wraps us up for emails. That also wraps us up for the show. Blizzard Watch. It's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ad-free site experience. Thank you very much, Anne. Uh, again, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. So if you've got an email for the show and you'd like to hear it read, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch so we know it's for this show. Well, that was the show. Thank you guys so much for being here and listening to us, and we'll be here next week. <laughs> <laughs>